Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. Well, we've got a couple of friends in Tampa Bay at thinkutilityservices.com. You might have heard us talk about them on the air a few times. We've got Bill Wolf and Roger Ross here today, and we're going to hear from them on what sets them apart and what has God done in their lives to set them apart, and as well as share some other things. But Roger Ross and Bill Wolf, welcome back to I Work For Him. Roger, let's just start with you. How have you seen God work in your life specifically these last several months? Well, I think the last time you were here, I'd shared with you that I'd recently gone through a divorce. And, uh, you know, that definitely threw me off kilter uh, spiritually. In the last few months where I've felt the Holy Spirit and really see God working in my life is in the area of sanctification, which to me, I would define as setting apart parts of yourself unto God. Sanctification is five syllables. We always have to yep. define five, five syllable words, and I work for him. It it's that cleaning up process. God. It is. So talk about what's he been cleaning up in you. Well, you know, you, you always have parts of your personality that you keep to yourself that you try to govern or be the Lord of. Hmm. And so identifying in, in your own soul uh, things that you are trying to be the Lord of and beginning to give those back to Christ so that he is the Lord of them. If you do that, God will work strongly in you to help you shed away things that are problematic for you, for sure. And, you know, we all have those areas. And I think for me, I picked up areas uh, in the lead up to my divorce that I'm now diligently attempting to shed. Yeah, so that would to pick be, up that stuff. You're supposed to leave that stuff uh, You are supposed to, but that was what tends to happen. I think that would be the first area. The second area is, and this is something that Bill and I both share, uh, I've reintegrated myself back into the church and tried to become active again. And what I realize is the church now generally has changed from what it was 20 or so years ago in that I see much less biblical literacy. And so mm, that's for sure. that's caused me to focus again on reading scripture, on studying, on trying to not just understand, but then to also defend the things of the faith that are precious to us. Um, people are forgetting what we believe. They're forgetting what the scriptures say. They're forgetting things about Jesus. They're forgetting the Old Testament. They're forgetting so much. Much is being lost. And, you know, maybe I'm just getting to be an old man, but I want to see that which was lost being found again. And it is a common problem within the church. As Martha and I have traveled across the country, just people don't crack open their Bibles. No. It's a lot easier to flip on Netflix or, you know, do something else and, and, and then you regret it. You know, like, you're like, oh man, that was a waste of time. But well, you know what the structure of the church has changed too. If you go back 20, 30 years ago, we had Sunday schools, we had other services. There were things that the church specifically did to try to educate the people, not just to motivate them, but to cause them to understand their faith in a deeper way. And many of those things have been shed in the American church. Now, I'm not saying we want to bring them back but what I am saying is we have to do something probably the number one thing this is something I adopted when I was in my 20s and that is a very consistent Bible reading plan 
Uh, there's one that I tend to follow. Um, I went to, I mean, most people here don't know this, but when I was young, I have a degree in theology, and, and I went to uh, Bible college when I was young. Okay. One of the things that I adopted early on was I read a chapter from each of the sections of the Bible, and I go through and I do that consistently day by day. Mm-hmm. So what ends, ends up happening, let's say that I'm reading in the prophets, and now I'm reading a chapter in the gospels, all of a sudden I begin to make connections between the two that I otherwise wouldn't have made. For instance, I could be reading in Isaiah where it says he was a man of sorrows, and then all of a sudden you get up to the Gospels where Jesus is being tried, beaten, and taken away, and you make the connection. Hmm. No matter whether you followed my method or a different method, the key is constant reading of Scripture. Constant. I mean, I've always looked at it like this. The Holy Spirit gives us he illuminates things in our life but just like with our physical appearance if you don't have a mirror in front of you you still won't see what you look like Mm -hmm. the scripture is the mirror the holy spirit is the illuminator if you don't hold up the mirror you won't see your faults and people don't need to have a theological degree in order to understand that you know jim we have quite a few different favorites ourselves for reading scripture and so just i want to encourage you listeners that there are a lot of options don't get stuck in a certain um, translation don't get stuck in a certain have to but ask the Lord, what is it that I should be doing? But I think you're right. Uh, we need exposure to it if we're going to ever learn it. So we need to have it open and in front of us. Well, I was going to say one of the other really cool things is around the country in the last two weeks, Bible Study Fellowship has started up <clears throat> around the country mm-hmm. uh, for men groups and women groups. And if you really want to learn how to study and really want to learn, specific, like this year, they're studying the, the book of Acts across mm-hmm. the country. Go find a Bible Study Fellowship, a BSF group somewhere near you. You know, it, it's fun to be able to see that God uniquely equips each one of us with a with a set of gifts, talents, and abilities. And Bill, just as you saw, putting together a plumbing company with an electrical company with an AC heating and mechanical company, you put them all together because they work together well, like a fine-tuned machine. And that's what you're doing now in building churches. You're grabbing people that have got resources, grabbing people that like to build buildings, grabbing a denomination that really wants to get behind it. You're pulling them all together because together they can get a lot more accomplished than they could if they were apart. What's the biggest kingdom thing that you think you guys do every day? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to take you down a different course because, you know, there's no one single answer to that question. But one of the things that I've seen Bill do over the years and over the 20 years, I've started to gain a little more insight into it and then also how to manage that. And that is Bill likes to practice what I'm going to call redemptive hiring. He hires people specifically because he sees a need in their life. And he's trying to put them in a place where God can do something in their life. And what I find from my perspective, then, my job is to then cultivate that in the individual and to help them along the way. Um, I've seen him do that over and over again. He'll come and say, Roger, there's a guy that he's at church. He's gone through this. He's gone through that. I want to bring him in. I want to hire him. And when he does that, then my job is next to take him under my wing to begin to mentor him and to try to help him along the way. So that I know that's really different. We were talking about the environment, and there are lots of good answers to that. But when I look at that aspect of, of some of what we do, I am... Uh, I'm humbled by it because I've truly seen God change people's lives. 
So I can get how that works. And Martha, you want to jump in here? You go ahead. But I can see how that works, Roger, for people that you bring here into your headquarters in Pinellas Park, Florida. But how does that work? You guys have employees. Bill, you got employees all over the country, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, how many different states do you got employees in? Oh, <clears throat> several. <laughs> I'm trying to think it through. Texas, North Carolina, Georgia. Probably put people on in Virginia next. Uh, so quite so, a few. So you're talking six, seven, eight states. Yeah. How do you maintain that level of intentionality with employees that you don't get to see face to face? You're well, not getting to touch. Uh, I'll give you my answer from an operational standpoint. And some of this is because of initiatives that Bill's given me over the years. First of all, when we hire someone, we bring them down for two weeks. We put them through training. The best case scenario would be our technicians. You know, we hire technicians in other states so that we can service the condominium communities, apartment mm-hmm. communities in those states. Right. Uh, we'll bring them down. We'll train them for for minimum of two weeks. Then we run them with another experienced individual. Uh, once they're competent to run on their own, we have weekly meetings that we do, you know, just via telephone with everyone. Uh, and then they're in constant contact with their supervisors. I mean, even though we're here, they're talking to us daily. There's there's never a time when a person is just off on their own doing their own thing. That it just if you did that in a business sense, you are heading towards the rocks of disaster. That's for <laughs> sure. So, you know, that's just not something that we practice. But uh, that's really it: training, meetings, constant supervision. So, Bill, when the Lord really maybe encouraged you to start doing this redemptive hiring. Um, did, did you trust wholeheartedly from the beginning that it was, you know, I mean, it could be easy, going to be hard. What did you think? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really don't look at his, um, you know, that he's called me to it. I look okay. at, I, I, you know, the thing about God is if we stay connected to him and stay open to him, then he'll lead or he'll lead us. His word promises us that. And um, I don't necessarily go out looking for redemptive hiring. I walk through life at trusting God, being prayerful. And if God points somebody out and you and you run across them and they have a need and you're able to step in and do part of that need instead of so often we can be tempted that. I have a dollar in my pocket and someone has a need for a dollar, but you know what? I want the dollar more than I'm willing to give it. Instead, I think we should say, okay, God, if you want me to give this dollar, I will give it. And and if you want me to provide a job for this individual, mm-hmm. fill in the blank on who that is, I'm willing to at least investigate that and have them come down and talk to them and put them through a you know an interview process so uh it's not that it's my ministry you know of of redemptive hiring however uh, it's my ministry to listen to what the holy spirit wants me to do Hmm. and by by goodness by golly by some way it ended up happening that way probably numerous times how often do you get a chance, as you talk to these customers, so your customers are landowners and, and building owners and, and association boards of directors, how often do you get a chance to really 
minister to these people because these are because sometimes you, i mean what's the longest customer you guys have had have you had customers that started with you 25 years ago or 23 years ago and are still with you today probably yeah right. so how often do you get a chance to have real ministry kind of conversations with these customers well we've got you know uh representatives that have relationships and they're on the phone with them on a consistent basis mm-hmm. typically what we'll do is we'll reach out to them and sometimes send them like a starbucks gift card or things of that nature just reaching out to them and showing a little love uh, obviously sending you know christmas cards and and you know sh- sharing christ through that and then building those relationships with the account managers on a consistent basis through either regional managers or property managers and so forth so they are in constant contact with the client well, a good example of that, we're just uh, taking back a customer. And one of the first things the property manager said is, is James Anderson still with you? That was uh, their account manager because they had a friendship and yeah. it had gone on for years. So she was thrilled to know that he would be her account manager again. Employee to employee conflict because those, they spend a lot of time together with people. What do you do with that? Well, I would probably summate it in this way. This would be the same thing that I would use and that I train my customer service department to use with callers that call in because they have uh, uh, an issue with a bill. Nobody likes getting a bill, obviously. The number one thing is empathy, trying to, which I'm going to define as twofold, understanding the issue that the other person has, but then also trying to take on the feelings that the other person has over them. If you can do those two things, you're well on your way to truly empathizing with someone. Mm. Empathy, then following that, mediation, trying to to understand where we go from here, what are we going to do next, and then action or res- resolution, beginning to resolve. I, uh, I look at inter-employee conflict or an employee that is in distress because part of my job really is to try to identify when an employee is off in some way, when they're emotionally uh, compromised, which happens all the time. Mm. You know, somebody has something happen at the house, they come into work, you notice that they're not on point. Mm -hmm. Rather than just walking by and going in your office and getting a cup of coffee and going about your work, trying to help that person to get back on point, which you're not going to be able to do unless you deal with the the inner conflict that they have. Normally what I do is I sit down with them and I say, man, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and then you listen. I listen. <laughs> and then when they tell you, what do you do then? Well, first of all, sometimes it's just cathartic for the person to be able to talk to someone. Yeah. And again, not just talk to a blank wall, but talk to somebody that actually loves them. Uh, I gave you the example of James Anderson. Uh, James has been here since probably 2003. I consider him, he's been my employee for a long time, but I truly do love him. I love him and I love his family. I love his wife. I love his children. I'm intimately, I have intimate knowledge of, of the things that go on in his life. He'll talk to me. When his father died, I got a call two o'clock in the morning, picked it up, man screaming on the other end. Turned out it was James. Got my clothes on, went over to his house. Mm -hmm. To me, it's more than just 
an employee mm-hmm. to get a chance to James is my friend. Of course I did. Mm. <laughs> of course I did. And and I've done that numerous times with employees when they're as long as they're Christians, obviously. Well, but why? I, I well, why? Well, you're right. And there have been times with unbelievers where the same technique of trying to amp- I call it a technique. God forbid it should be the inclination of our heart. Right to sit and talk with someone and to listen to them and to feel their pain, to understand why they feel the way they do. Look, for anybody that's listening, if you'll just do that, the person on the receiving side will become a better employee. They'll be able to go back to work with a clean heart, with a mind that's now on track. But more than that, that should always be the first inclination of our heart. And if we have those conversations, at the end of the conversation, if you ask the question, would it be all right if I pray with you about that, what you just shared? I've never had anybody say no to me. No. Whether they were Muslim or Hindu or Jewish or atheist, when somebody's down and out, they're open to prayer because they're looking for a solution. I, I had an employee recently that I was, it, it became very heated for a number of reasons. I, uh, I thought about firing him and... You know, when you see somebody that's becoming rebellious, that tends to be what you think about. And then I realized what the impact of that was going to be on not only him, but on his faith, on his wife, on his family. In the evening, we called and talked with each other and we started working it out. The next day he came in and he asked me a question. You know, he said, look, I don't know how to do this and I don't want to disclose what the this is. Mm -hmm. When he came in the next day, I had nine points that I felt like would help him. And then we opened the Bible and I started showing him things in the scripture pertaining to what he had asked me. And you know what? Two days later, we were out on sales calls together and everything was good. And his relationship with his wife and everything, you know, that could have been in jeopardy was no longer in jeopardy. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, definitely our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at I Work For Him and online, IWorkForHim.com.